You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. So I have a policy that whenever I have to delay something or whenever I'm late for something, I have to publicly apologize to my guest. And sometimes I'll just give like a half-assed excuse, like I was saving orphans or like I was in the (laughs) ER or something. So that way they're like, no, no, no. I'm sorry. But uh, we, we, we delayed this by half an hour, which is 29 minutes far too late because I ordered... Uber Eats, not DoorDash, um, because I fucking hate that app. I, I realized that as I was yeah. I'm like, my DoorDash didn't arrive. It was, it was Uber Eats. I, I get the confused because they're both terrible at the end of the day. But uh, like two hours ago, I, I ordered dinner, and like here, here's been my week. I, I tore every tendon in my right ankle walking up the stairs after a jiu-jitsu session. Oh, and then, um, did, did you see the Black Widow movie? Yes, yes. Okay, you know you know the after credit scene, spoilers, motherfuckers, where yes. where the one chick from Seinfeld is like, Oh, I'm sorry, I'm allergic to the Midwest. I used to right. think that was like an elitist thing. I'm like, that bitch. But um, apparently Wisconsin has the highest airborne mold count in the country. So I have had I did not know that. It is terrible here. So like people might hear this. I've got like a ball of phlegm that today has just decided to come undone. So, you know, I, I have not, like, my apartment looks like shit right now. It's been a rough week. So I'm hobbling and, you know, coughing and slurring. So people are like, oh, that ketamine addict is struggling. And I'm like, leave me alone. And uh, I, I lost, I lost like three pounds in the last couple of days. Like, it's been rough. So I was like, you know, I have nothing to frost. I don't want to eat a meal. I'm not going to McDonald's. I'm going to order Mexican food. So oh, yeah. I order Mexican food, and I'm like, I am excited for this shit. I don't do Uber Eats often. I'm not going to pay $30 for an $8 meal every night. Right, yeah. You know, I'm going to do it. And this thing got delayed, like, every 15 minutes. So, like, two hours later, I, I text Bill, folks, and I message him, and I'm like, hey, like, this is going to be a while, but you need to understand I'm fucking starving. <laughs> So the dude, the dude goes to the wrong neighborhood because just my life. Oh. And then I'm, I'm watching him on the little app map. And I'm like, no, the other way. I'm the next street over. So after being like an hour and a half late on top of all of this, um, this guy pulls over. He's like, I'm sorry. It's my first day. I'm embarrassed. And he, he genuinely seemed upset. So I'm like, listen, man, I'm just happy my food's here. I still tipped him. I still <laughs> gave him five stars. But like, uh, yeah. Jesus Christ, like <laughs> I'm done with Uber Eats after this. That meal was not worth two hours and thirty dollars. <laughs> that sounds horrible. I've never I've never used any of those apps yet. So I, I usually just go and get it myself. So 
I feel really embarrassed too because the place is actually only 15 minutes away. I feel like everyone had more sympathy for me before I mentioned that one part. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that kind of drops it a little bit. <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm coughing and I'm limping, so get cut me some slack, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you know we'll, we'll give you the mold count thing. So <laughs> it's the mold count. It's stairs. Like nature does not want me to live. <laughs> it's just Wisconsin. No, it's it's just Wisconsin. It's it's uh like I really like it here, but. Like little things like that annoy me. Like the roads here are like something out of Mogadishu, Somalia. So that's another <laughs> thing that bothers me. But like it's I, true. but like I, I anticipate things that I would not have anticipated here because in a way I feel like Wisconsin is ahead of a lot of the country having come from the East okay. coast because people here aren't like crazy. It's almost like they figured out the things that work in life and they're like, let's just be really yeah. good at this. But there right. are also things that I'm like, you know, I, I feel like the people here also like living 30, 40 years ago. And and then yeah. there are those moments where each time I think I'm like an East coast elitist and like weird shit just doesn't happen to me anymore. And like, I'm the weird guy in every room. I had something happen. <laughs> I was at a, I was at, I was at a gala last week for, for reasons. And, um, you know, for, be, because I, I look good in a suit and tie. So I'm like, I'm going to go find a gala to go to like, like the DC okay. elitist I am. Sure. Bill, what do you know about swingers? I know that uh, they have the best parties. <laughs> As one would say. I, I met this woman about two months after I moved here. Okay. We met, we met um, for something work-related. And here's the thing. I know I'm one of the sexiest men alive. No one has to tell me that. I just know it. Like, okay. I just try and make it easier. Even in Wisconsin? Uh, in Wisconsin, I'm even better. Okay, but, okay. but I, I have, oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be very honest. I've only been aggressively hit on by like several women in my entire life. And one of them is my okay. fiance. Okay. But this woman who is not unattractive, but she's not my type. She's in her mid forties. Okay. And this chick really came on to me a few months ago. And I was just like, like, I actually got kind of nervous. I'm like, this lady kind of freaks me out. So like we're in the same industry. So like, you know, we don't, we, we're not nine to fivers together, but you know, we, we, we run in the same circles. I don't know if that's a swinger code for anything, but like, you know, it's six degrees of separation (laughs) type of thing. But anyway, so I meet her at this thing. And after that happens, I'm like, you know, if I was single, maybe I would be flattered. Uh, Like even then it's like, this was kind of, kind of out there. She's at this gala I go to last week and it happens again. And this time she walks towards me, but as she's walking towards me, I'm walking kind of backwards until she corners me in, uh, against the corner of a room. Oh shit. And it, it took, it wasn't like, you know, Harvey Weinstein, like take your pants off. Like she cornered me, <laughs> cornered me, but like I was cornered and I obviously wanted to go. It took one yeah. of my uh, colleagues who was also at the gala coming by and uh, you know, got me out of the situation and she walked away and stuff like that. And that was the last time I saw her. But like, Damn. I was, I was like, you know, like, what's this? If she does this to me, now get me right. wrong. I'm a, I'm a catch above, but like, if she does this to me, she has to do this to other people. Right. And I go online yeah. and I immediately see that she is engaged. Oh shit. And she lives with her fiance and they have been together for over like many years. Okay. So they're looking for a third. I think they are because then I go ahead and I, I cyber stalk him and I see him in a lot of photos with a lot of younger attractive uh, women. So I think I found the formula. Wow. They're looking for somebody half their age for each other. So she gets to go do weird shit and he gets to go yeah. do weird shit. So I go ahead and text a friend of mine the next day. I'm like, Hey, how do you know if somebody is a swinger? And she's like, because they'll put a pineapple statue or something pineapple related outside of their house. I'm like, what the hell? And she's like, yeah, I saw it on, I saw it on TV. Apparently people with like pineapple decorations outside their house, that's a sign of swingers. Like, like, how do you know this? And she's like, because I watch TV, don't ask me. And I'm like, okay. So if you're looking for swingers, I can almost guarantee there's potentially a secret um, swinger community out in Southern Wisconsin. 
and look for the pineapple. But now you're not going to see pineapple decorations the same way again. Now you're going to see a woman in no, the summer, well, I, like wearing a like, like wearing a flowy dress with like pineapple decorations on there, and you're going to be like, that woman is flagrant as fuck. <laughs> well, even as you're saying that, I, I like through my mind, I'm, I'm rapidly thinking about SpongeBob SquarePants and and Psych, you know, the the TV show with which they always had a pineapple in the background. And I'm like, holy shit, is this like secret code now? I, I can't look at Sam uh, and Gus the same way. You've heard of like all the weird conspiracies to come out of SpongeBob. I think you may have either picked up one that's probably already yes. out there. Or you just created a new one. Yes. Holy shit. SpongeBob's a swinger. Token swinger. Honestly, I would respect him more if he was. I would too, actually. It would take him up a couple of notches. At least. <laughs> I heard I heard a rumor. Well, I don't know how how it could be a rumor about TV show, but I heard a thing that he was like on the spectrum, and like each time I each time I see each time I see these SpongeBob conspiracies and stuff like that, I'm like, this is a, a fucking kids show. Like, who are the people still right? thinking about this like 20 years later? The same people that are thinking about Scooby Doo and you know, token up in the van and all that shit. There's the groups out there. I, I heard one that the uh, that Fred and Shaggy were draft dodgers. I, I can see that, were, and that's why they I, were traveling I, across the country in the late '60s. Yeah, uh, because, actually, because why else Fred would you have? Yeah, because why else would you have like that group does not match. No, they don't look no, like they would no. ever be friends otherwise. Damn, that makes sense. I mean, Shaggy, well, well, Shaggy totally deals drugs. Oh, yeah. 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 Scooby probably doesn't even really exist. No, like he's a dog, but like he died because they left him somewhere and they still <laughs> see him. <laughs> you let me starve to death. <laughs> now that's again, shit. That is some dark shit. And again, Fred, who else can make traps except like that, except for like a ex, like special forces ran away because he lost it. <laughs> you see, if they were going to do a gritty reboot, they might as well do like a gritty reboot of Scooby-Doo. I want to see it. R-rated. Yeah. Like Quentin Tarantino. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, Quentin Tarantino needs to redo all the Hanna-Barbera shit. The Flintstones would be something like Conan the Barbarian. That would be awesome. That would that would be yeah. Could you imagine Fred like killing Barney and taking Betty and Wilma? I would do that. I would too. I, I would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, as long as long as it's cartoon Betty and not Rosie O'Donnell. Betty. Oh God, no! That <laughs> we all we all acknowledge the existence of that shit. I, I try not to. No. I try not. To. Uh, Bill, we were we were talking a couple of weeks ago. About something that's been like on the top of my mind still, because since I'm here and now we're about to get like 20 feet of snow within the next couple of weeks. <laughs> what I've been trying to do is I've been trying to put together a better playlist of movies to watch because I'm going to be working from home a little bit more. I'm bored. I got shit to do. I want to watch some stuff because I don't really I watch a lot of YouTube and I still go to the movies, but I don't watch a lot of like movies all the way through. I don't even watch TV shows like I used to. And okay. um, I, I went to go see No Time to Die, and I think he reached out to me, and we started talking about that Bond yeah. film. And uh, it kind of propelled us into this broader discussion, which is the death of machismo in movies. And primarily, yeah. it's like the, the quintessential American action hero is basically dead. Now, James Bond, obviously yeah. not American. Right. But right. – like he set the archetype for pretty much everybody. He set the archetype right. for Indiana Jones. I mean, you name an action yeah. star, and at some point they are six degrees of Bond. Absolutely, yeah. No time he, to die. And if you haven't seen it by now, spoilers galore. But I, I want to be really mad at that film. But yeah. I also really like certain parts of it. Yes. So let, let's let's address the big awkward elephant in the room. Okay. They, ki- they kill Bond. First you, time ever. Yeah. What 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 are your first thoughts on that? I, I was I was pissed. I, I was in shock. You know, I was like, did they just kill James Bond? I'm like, holy shit. 
And I needed to wait till the end of the credits to see if it was going to pop up and say James Bond will return because I'm just like. But you see that, a hands coming out of some rubble. I, I don't know. Something. I, I was just surprised because, like I said, they faked his death before. And, and like we talked about, like, I consider Daniel Craig's Bond kind of like the Nolan verse. You know, it kind of happens in its own little bubble. But even still, you know, killing this like hyper masculine status symbol. You know, and, and I think I said to you, I was like, you know, there, there's never going to be a, another James Bond of that level. You know, the the suave, womanizing, Astro Martin driving, you know, like male status, you know, that, that every guy wants to attain, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it shocked the hell out of me. And that's why I reached out to you, because I was like, OK, I need to I need to talk to somebody who's seen the movie who, you know, is going to be able to like, like address this you know and, and maybe has put some thought into it and so it just blew my mind it, it's one of those things where it's like i've been reading a lot of commentary and i i think it's weird that a bond film has gotten this much discussion and i don't even think it's because he's dead like a lot of people are talking yeah. about the death but it's everything mm-hmm. that led up to the death which i think is more shocking because if so so like the hero's journey which is something i talk about often Bond mm-hmm. has kind of had that already, at least through this Daniel Craig arc. And I'll right. say that they've done it pretty damn well. However, mm-hmm. what's what's really sad is um I, I think this I think this movie was kind of like the unforgiven of James Bond films, because the unforgiven of okay. Clint Eastwood is about a guy who represents a bygone era of action cowboy western films and now he's right. in this new world where he doesn't quite fit in and where mm-hmm. the only way this person who has lived a life of violence can be taken out is through more violence mm-hmm. so i kind of saw that in this film and i kind of yeah. i kind of understood it other people like i don't know who goes to national review for movie reviews but i did for mm-hmm. some god awful reason <laughs> and the guy who wrote the review at national review about no time to die. Try saying that twice. Um, he basically complained about all the women in the movie. Now he, hmm. he, he complained about uh, Lashana Lynch, who plays the new 007. He complained about Paloma who plays the Cuban spy. He complained right. about um, uh, uh, Leah Sadu who plays uh, Madeline. Like mm-hmm. he, he complains about the women. Now don't get me wrong. Do the okay. women represent something in the film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They represent that, you know, these are different women than like the Sean Connery or Roger Moore era of Bond. Right. I yeah. Mean, I remember watching uh, tomorrow never dies of Pierce Brosnan and, mm-hmm. uh, and the, in like the Chinese spy, who's the bond girl in that film. Like she wasn't even really oh. a bond girl. She was an action. Right hero in her own right and you started to see that a while ago like Halle Berry kicked ass in in, uh, Die Another Day yeah absolutely so like this idea that it hadn't been attempted prior and in some ways was a little less insulting at the times because they Mm -hmm. weren't they weren't created just to be that um, I I found that to be kind of nearsighted now I think Lashana Lynch was great in the movie like oh absolutely yeah like her version like you know her her character I thought she was cool I thought Paloma was cool I didn't find yeah. it to be like this giant feminist claptrap that a lot of people Mm-mm. thought it was going to be. I, I yeah. saw it as Bond has gotten to the end of the road. And for a person who's lived his life on the edge this long, you can't live an entire life like that and not have right. things catch up. Whether you're a good person yeah. or not, that's the repercussions of living a dangerous life like this. And if anything, yeah. I think people are missing a, a big I wouldn't say conservative trope, but they're missing something truly heroic about Bond. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he would have always beaten the bad guy. He would have always saved the world. That's what James Bond right. does. But the motivation was different, right? Because in this film, they expose that him and Madeline had a child. When he dies, he doesn't even seem upset, right? Because he dies knowing that for the first time, really ever. He puts something good into the world and that yeah. he has been able to produce something that will hopefully not live through the cycle of violence that he has lived through. So while right. the film is definitely, you know, I would probably say goodbye 
to that James Bond mystique of the, you know, mm-hmm. the, the fictional alpha, you know, dude who has everything. Yeah. Well, I definitely do think there are many criticisms to be made about that. And we're seeing this in other action movies and stuff like that. Um, well, I was definitely, it, it definitely caught my attention. Like, I, it, it does not bother me to the degree at which I see it bothering other people. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, when you look at the the whole Craig Bond, every woman in, in each of his movies, I mean, not every, but there's always one that stood out that was, you know, his match, you know, that was an alpha female, uh, so to speak, you know, whether it was Vesper, Vespa or um, M, you know, in Skyfall, you know, um, Madeline in uh, Spectre. I mean, there was always that that match and i and i appreciate that i mean i i love movies with strong female characters and that they can play well with a strong male character because that's how it should be um i I think for me it was and and i and i agree with what you're saying you know he sacrificed himself for you know love of his life his daughter and and that was for him that was you know that was worth it. That's bigger than queen and country where he had been his entire career. And, um, and seeing bond from the beginning where he had this ego, you know, that, you know, you always see in uh, casino Royale, them telling him take his ego out of the equation. And at the end of, um, oh, I didn't even uh, notice that. Yeah. Oh, at man, the end that of makes so much yeah, sense now, it's like, he's, he had evolved so much to the point where, you know, he was okay. You know, even losing if that was a loss, you know, to keep those that he loves safe. So I, I can't think of a manlier virtue than that. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, I think, I think my biggest problem with the film is that some of the classic bond tropes that you would want, it's not that they don't deliver it. It's that they are about to deliver it and they don't give it to you. The first right. one when when uh when Bond takes uh, the new 007 back to his pad in Jamaica, right. and immediately he figures out he's not getting some. I'm like, man, <laughs> if I brought her back and that wasn't going down, I would be pissed too. So like that's yes. one of those moments where it's like, okay, that's trope number one. It's like, oh, she's not going to give it to Bond. You can't get every woman. I think yeah. this is the first time Bond has ever actually hit on a woman and not gotten in bed with her. So like you know, yeah. I. Like if it can't happen to bond like that, that fucking sucks. Right. Right. But then yeah. it's like, you know, what, what's crazy about this. It's like a, it's like the mission impossible movies. It's like, there's never a scene. There's never a film where Ethan Hunter is like, or, or whatever Tom Cruise's name is. There's never a film where, where he's actually like not a rogue agent. Right. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he works for the worst place ever in every film. He's <laughs> always rogue. He's always fighting yeah. against everybody. It's always like right. that. He's always set up. And it's kind of like that for Bond in a way through this Craig series because he goes super Mm -hmm. rogue in Quantum of Solace. He, 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 you know, everyone thinks he's dead and he disappears for a few months in Skyfall. Then in Mm -hmm. Spectre, you know, the, the, the Spectre agent is in charge of the new MI6. And then Mm -hmm. in, in, in this film, like, you know, he, he's irrelevant really. And he's only brought in because they can't avoid not having him help him. But like th- then there's a part where it's like after Madeline Pryor, I'm sorry, not Madeline Pryor, Ma- Madeline White. Um, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm going full me- here. X-Men. <laughs> I, I went, I went full nerd when, uh, when, when Madeline at the beginning of the film, when they think that she's a specter agent and that she mm-hmm. betrayed bond, they let her back into government. Yeah. And right. What they do is they give her access to the dude who's in charge of specter. Right, so yeah. Bond has to go through all this shit. Like nobody wants him here or there, but they they've let in somebody who was probably like a suspected terrorist like a few months ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah. That's, like Bond always that. has to work for it, but she just walked <laughs> in and you know, she's probably yeah. collecting a salary too. Oh, you know, she was, she was getting paid well. Yeah. And if she said she wanted him gone, he would have been gone. So immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. it's, it's things like that, you know, with the Paloma scene, like I, I thought she was awesome, but oh, it's like there, there, there's another scene where it's like, you know, she's, even though she's not James Bond and even though she's new, like, I, I don't think it was like, you know, a Ray from star Wars situation where she just happens to be an amazing fighter. 
I think it was supposed right. to be funny and playful. Like obviously right. this isn't her, this isn't her third week of training. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. But it's like another moment where it's like, she's really the one that gets them out of that situation. She's really the one that does mm-hmm. a brunt of the fighting. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, he doesn't get with her at all. You're right. Yeah. He tries and she's like, just is like, no, no, I'm good. Yeah. It's, it's another situation where it's like, you know, Bond is too old. Bond is too wrecked. Bond is irrelevant. Yeah. Bond has to work harder for what people get with less trust. It, it's one of those situations mm. where it's just like, this is Bond in his most unlucky moment. And, and then what's right. worse is that they kill his best friend. They kill yeah, Felix. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you've made this guy's life fucking miserable. And now yeah. he, he doesn't even have any game. Mm-hmm. And now you're gonna, and now you're gonna do that to him. You're gonna kill his friend. And then I think the biggest insult and people were like, Oh, well, you know, it's not as bad as you think it is, is when Madeline tries to tell bond and she does a shitty lie when she's like, Oh, yeah. um, uh, she's not your daughter. And he's like, look at right. her eyes. She's my fucking kid. It's yeah, like right. to, to even insinuate. Oh yeah. Like a few days after we broke up, I, I fucked some other guy and got pregnant with his yeah. kid. And I was literally about to marry you and we never had kids. It's like, you know, some people see it. It's like, well, she's an empowered woman. She could be as promiscuous as bond. It's like, no, that's not the same. Yeah. Like, well, and after she said that, I started thinking, I was like, Oh damn! Did she get with um with uh, um Blofeld? Because oh, you know man, that's fucked it. up. Yeah, I know. That's what I was. I was like, shit. You're about fuck your evil terrorist stepbrother. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Well, and then someone pointed out that throughout the whole movie, he never actually said Bond, James Bond. You know, he started to when he was going through checking in at MI6, and and they're like, yeah, we don't, we've never heard of you. It wasn't until at the end of the movie that Madeline's telling the story about a man named Bond, James Bond, that, you know, the line is even uttered. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, from that angle, what they basically do is they've just whittled away everything that makes him him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's what pisses me off. Right. Yeah. Like you said, they tease it, but it's like not there, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> Like I said, there's parts of the movie that were really good, and then there's parts that you're just like, you know, at least give them the quintessential, you know, lines, the quintessential moments if you're going to do this. So, yeah. Um, but and then you know, as I was talking to you, it's just seems to cap, you know, just like just these these killing off of these masculine figures through you know pop culture now, you know, and it well, seems who, like who would you say is another example recently? Um, I would say Wolverine is a good one. Yeah, I mean, they killed him off. What was it, in 2015? I think. Yeah. And, um, um, and Logan, but also in the comic book, they killed him off and oh, he didn't yeah, come they, back they around and, the same time. Yeah. And he didn't come back until, uh, I think it was just two years ago. 20, but, 2018, 2019. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, but he, he, he's not the same though. You know, I, um, I've always been a big Wolverine fan, but he's not, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't drink the beers like he used to. He doesn't smoke the cigars, you know, like, like I've seen on the message boards, you know, he's, he's a third wheel to Gene and Cyclops and the, the X cuckling. Yes. The X cuckling. I mean, you know, that's like, come on, you know, um, you know, they killed off snake eyes in the GI Joe comics. What? Yes. Yeah. No they, they fucking way. I just finished snake eyes dead game. They kill snake yeah, eyes. Yeah. They killed him off and they, now there's a, he's got a female replacement. No. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. This, this brings up another thing. Did you see the snake eyes GI Joe origins movie? Yes, I did. Only because snake eyes is one of my favorites. I had to see, I knew it was going to be bad, but I had to see what they're going to do. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm saying this is a freaking snake eyes diehard. People can't say I'm jumping on yeah. a hate bandwagon afterwards. I have a signed, Rob Liefeld variant cover snake eyes issue two framed sitting directly in front of me on my shelf. And then I even pre-ordered snake eyes, GI Joe origins on Blu-ray and it got to my house the other day. And I, you know, I, I, I watched it again for the first time since I saw it in July and it's, it's fucking disappointing. Yeah. But let's, let's take, let's take this for example, for people that haven't seen it, who thinks, that it ties into the other GI Joe films, just throw all that shit out. 
Like it, oh, yeah. They, yeah. They're just like, fuck it. We're going to do something yeah. else. And yeah. I, I was okay with that premise. But, dude, I don't know about, I don't know if you would put it like I'm about to put it, but Snake Eyes is not the hero of that movie. No, hell no. Oh, no. Yeah. No, not at all. And, and and it's, it's one of those things. Not even like, the most interesting guy in the movie. Or, Snake Eyes isn't even Snake Eyes. Like in these origin films, you're supposed to see yeah. growth, but even when he gets the costume, which from a from a payoff point is only in the movie for like 20 seconds yeah. at the very it, end. Yeah. It's like he's still not Snake Eyes even then. Don't get me wrong, it's a cliffhanger. Right. They want to make a sequel. Right. It's like here you have one of like every every small boy who had G.I. Joe's, everyone fucking wanted the ninja. Oh yeah. yeah. Snake Eyes. And what they basically do, and this is, you know, I call it like failing at the anti-hero trope. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. Nobody's perfect. They can have their edge. They can make mistakes. It can be part of the hero's journey. That film's just freaking disappointing because they make him, one, they make him the anti-snake eyes. You never see him in a mask and the fucker talks the entire time. (laughs) And he sucks at being a ninja. One minute he can't jump over a log. The next minute he's doing like Spider-Man flips over cars on a Japanese freeway. Yeah. So that, so that makes no sense, but they, they intentionally make him as unlikable as possible. And then at the point where you're like, okay, maybe it's some redeeming values it's not even because he wants to be heroic. It's just right. because he yeah. feels guilty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, my, my son, who's six, he's really gotten into G.I. Joe recently. So we've been watching nice. the original cartoon on Tubi. You know, I got a lot of the original action figures I've been letting him play with and stuff. And so he's been asking questions, you know, and I have every Snake Eyes figure that's ever been made. And so, you know, we were talking about Snake Eyes and stuff. And so I like showed him some of my comics and stuff. And so he can see, and it just, it really disappoints me that they've, they're taking GI Joe, like the, the army aspects out of GI Joe and focusing on this whole like sci-fi mystic fantasy section of it. You know, it just, I don't know. It just kills it for me. It's, it's like, remember how, especially in like the, the late nineties, early two thousands, you could not be an action hero unless you're part of your background was being in the military. Oh yeah. Right. Right. I saw that they tried to remove that. And you had some people like, you know, uh, American assassin, the Vince Flynn books that got turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that in theaters in like 2017 and I'm watching this movie primarily because it has uh, Michael Keaton in it. And I'm like, this is as action movie. It's a, objectively a good action film. I, right. think, I think American assassin is really good. However, it, it's a film that when it came out in 2017, no one was going to go see it right. because here you have something which is very pro America, which is very quintessential action film and follows all the action film tropes. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can't, you can't do it anymore because I think it was after like, it was after and during the it was during and after the invasion of Iraq. You had Hollywood mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, well, you know, these things are just recruitment tools. These right. things justify foreign action." Don't get me wrong. Well, maybe there were some propaganda aspects to it. Like there definitely were. No one can deny that. Sure. Yeah. It suddenly, you know, we 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 jump to the to the radical end of things where it's like you have to totally remove it. Mm-hmm. And, and now, and, and this yeah, isn't right. my this isn't my criticism of like the Marvel heroes. Mm-hmm. But like only Captain America was a soldier. Right. Like, like, you know, Hawkeye in the, in, in, well, in some of the comics was a soldier. Right. They, they don't talk about that in the movies and there were right. others who were soldiers. Now, um, war machine is probably the only other one, but True. I mean, you can't, you, you can't not make him war machine. That's why when they made him iron Patriot right. and iron man three, I was like, well, that's yeah. really stupid. Right. Yeah. But they, they've done this whole thing where they're trying to redraw what makes masculinity. And I, like, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. like, I can't look at I can't look at Paul Rudd and think action hero. Right. Mark yeah. Ruffalo and think action hero. Don't get me wrong. They're playing superheroes yeah. and giants and shit like that. I, I, yeah. I excuse that they're good actors at their role. But right. like, you know, there, there's no more Stallones. Right. Primarily yeah. because Stallone refuses to fucking retire. And, um, right. you know, like all those guys, like. 
When was the last time you saw like John Claude Van Damme do a movie? Oh yeah, right. I, last one he did, I think, was a mockumentary on his own life. You something know, like that. Where like, he's like making fun of himself. Yeah, and even then, it's like those guys had to do something. Like all those like fighter mm-hmm. films, like they were actually fighters. Who then right. got? Who then got into Hollywood? Yeah, right. Yeah, they had some kind of skill. Like you said, the only person who's uh, or movies that are even close would be like a John Wick film. You know. Which even I'm kind of worried about. Did you hear about the spinoff for that? No. <laughs> so it, it ties everything together. It's going to be a spinoff movie called The Ballerina. And, okay. And uh, it has the chick who played Paloma from No Time to Die. Okay. Do I think that that's going to be a film that's going to replace John Wick? No. It's a spinoff. Yeah. I'm cool with it. I'll go watch it. It'll probably be good. Yeah. Yeah. But like even now it's like I, I'm so skeptical because of what they've tried to do in Hollywood that mm-hmm. I see this and I'm like, what's the intention? Right. Yeah. 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 I everything co- that comes out, you know, yeah, I question like, okay, what what's the intention on it Hollywood wise? Like even the Marvel movies that are coming out now after the end game, you know, um Eternals, you know, um Black Widow, um you know, uh, what was the, what was the one that came in between those two that Shang-Chi uh, was, I like Shang-Chi. I like Shang-Chi. Like but, Shang-Chi tried, my, my problem with Shang-Chi was there wasn't enough fighting. Yeah. Right. Don't I get me wrong. I was not expecting a Disney movie to be a full on action flick. Yeah. But it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, of the three that have been coming or coming out, is, what is Eternals out yet, or is that next week? Comes out, comes out next week, and and it's getting bombed currently. I think everyone is attacking it. Yeah, um, so, sorry, I had, to, I had to hack up a lung. Um, <laughs> like like conservatives are attacking it because it's got gay people or something. Um, okay. The left is attacking it because they're saying that some people are too stereotyped in the film, which I mean, uh-huh. you know, you got to give it to them. Like the director is a very liberal person, but like it's a v- extremely diverse cast. So oh, yeah, if she, if she can't please them, then they were never going to be pleased. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe they're just looking to come out at, against uh, Marvel. I mean, on something, I don't know. And this is the one that they feel like they can do because the characters aren't as recognizable. You know, but um, I don't know. Um, and, and don't I'm, get me I'm, wrong. I'm going to go see it. Oh, I am too. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, after, after like Chang Chi, I wasn't sure about. I was like, you know, Black Widow. I didn't like Black Widow. Um, you didn't like it? I didn't. It just seemed okay, very generic. Okay, this is, this got to sound funny. I think that. No Time to Die was a better superhero film than Black Widow, and Black Widow was a okay. better spy movie than No Time to Die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> e- even in the way they were marketing it, because what does what when was the only time we saw Rami Malik in the trailers when he's wearing yeah. that like supervillain mask? Right, that's true. Yeah. And yeah. the entire time they're marketing Black Widow, they're like, This is the female Jason Bourne. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I just I don't know. I, maybe it's because I saw it on uh, Disney Plus and not at the movie theater. You know, maybe that was the the difference maker for me. So yeah, sometimes I, that has a difference. You know, you don't get the big spectacle of it. You know, so. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I I liked the the end scene. I was excited, like you know, with the after credits. You know, with their sister and and uh, uh, Elaine from Seinfeld there. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm curious to see what they do with this. Um, but uh, I don't know. But, um, you know, I, and I, I'm not one that's like, I, I like superhero characters. Like a lot of people, you know, as I was like kind of reading about like masculinity and comics and stuff like that, you know, they kind of slammed that period in Marvel where they're like, like doing legacy characters. And I really liked the Jane Foster like Thor storyline. I thought that was a great storyline. They, they pulled that off. They they succeed with Jane Foster, but they failed with Sam Wilson. That's why yeah. I was really hoping that for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier TV show, they would ignore more of the comics. Yeah. But then it's like, you know, I, I was okay if some of the themes in the comics, because I'm like, as long as they're respecting the source material, like I can respect that. But then they went yeah. even farther to the left with than the comics went. 
Right. And the comics went pretty damn left, but I'm like, you know, if right. it's if it's authentic to the character there, that makes sense. Story wise in the TV show, they fucking failed at that because they're just cramming shit yeah. in. It's like this this is coming out of nowhere. There's no context. There's no reason. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and I got excited when they're bringing Isaiah Bradley, and I'm like, wow, this is this is they're hitting all the marks. Yeah, they they that, fucked that up too. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Isaiah Bradley was not a fucking racist. No. No, but they make him. But they make him to a fucking racist in the show. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like you said, they just totally destroyed that. So I mean, you want to talk about masculine figures, and this is okay. This is probably going to be the most controversial thing I think I've come out and said, but I've okay. I do I do believe it, and I I stand by it. But have you seen this new? And it's not even new. It, it's this movement amongst very very progressive people to tie blackness to gayness. I haven't seen that. Like it's not black lives matter. It's black trans lives matter. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. I have seen that. Yeah. I I remember like, like during the, the gay marriage debate, like a decade ago, there were gay activists trying to say, well, you know, being gay is like being black. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not going to make a call on that. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it's a choice. I'm not saying it's you're born with it. I'm not saying it is a choice or whatever. I don't know, but I don't think comparing it to people that were in like chattel slavery and lived under Jim Crow is yeah. exactly the same. Like you can't, right. because then that's drawing like a very unequal comparison. Yeah. But but yeah. then as you look at it, it's like, you know, you've got you've got this whole thing where it's like the future is queer and it's like you can't have a queer future unless you're like growing people in test tubes who are going to be queer when they grow up. Right. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to the left, they, I think that they've understood that they have lost the support of the black male mm-hmm. demographic and, you know, the black community, which is usually traditionally culturally conservative. Yeah. masculinity is something that a lot of black men are taught to emphasize more than I think other cultures. I think, you know, Hispanics, Latinos come before that. I think white people have kind of given up on it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think what we're seeing here is, is this attempt to basically feminize the black male, because if you see him <laughs> as a threat, you you couldn't you couldn't take away his body anymore. You lost that. You couldn't take right. away his rights anymore. You lost that. You couldn't take away the culture from them anymore because now they have the internet, they have technology, they have a voice. Now mm-hmm. what you have to do is you have to take away their masculinity. Mm-hmm. You have to shame yes. them. You have to do all this other stuff. Yeah. No, I yeah. And, and I mean that's like with with all these characters, and it's like you know th- this is not this is not an anti-gay thing. No, but it's like, you know, I, I tell people this, I knew gay guys in the military mm-hmm. who are, were, who were great soldiers who were good guys, but they were not feminine. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's like somehow to, to be gay, you had to be feminine. And that mm-hmm. was one of those things where it's like, when I met them and they came out, it was like, well, you know, that it's your thing. Okay. But what the weird thing to me was like, wouldn't I be able to tell who they are? Don't they act right. a certain way or something? And it's not even it's not even the sexual orientation. It's the direct feminization. Yes, I agree with that. I, I think yeah. I sent I think I sent you a link to a book. It was a James Bond novel called Carte Blanche. It was written by an mm-hmm. American mystery writer Jeffrey Deaver, which I yeah. think was the was the first mistake. Don't let an American write James Bond. <laughs> no joke. <laughs> but in, in Carte Blanche, which came out when I was in high school in like 2012, 2013. They made Bond into kind of a woke dude. Really? It, it was bad because he never uh, he, he was afraid to hit on women. He he falls in love with the woman who ends up being the villain of the book, but he, he like is begging her not to do shit. So he, we see a begging mm-hmm. Bond. Yeah. And he just doesn't he, he he's Bond in Nabo. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. It's it's the culture, it's attacking me. <laughs> it's uh it's it's bond and name only. Yeah. Right. So like I, I had been seeing this for a while, but it's like now it's at the point where it's like we're transitioning them out. 
Oh, and, right. And that's what bothers me the most. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you look at the, the, the push on these, you know, it seems like every new character that male character, you know, introduced in comics, whether it's John Kent or a ghost maker from the Batman comics, you know, they, they have that, that, that byline, you know, which I think is the laziest writing tool there is, you know, because you can do anything with the buy. There's wait, no wait. Do they make do they make Ghostmaker buy? Yes. <sighs> yeah. Why? Yeah. I, I I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah. You gotta fuck Robin now because Robin's gay now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my thought. So, I think everybody's shipping Robin and John Kent though. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh. No. It's just lazy. It's like if you want to get if you want to get bold, you know, make them trans. <laughs> well, that'll come out soon. Oh well, they tried making an Amazon. Trans. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's the new thing, right? You can be a man in the Amazon kingdom now, thanks to Wonder Woman. Yeah. That's that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, but but traditional masculinity is is frowned on, you know, and. You know, I want to see a, a character like like that's like Sylvester Stallone, like Rambo, you know, who's like big, loves football, drinks a lot, but gay. That would be awesome. That would be cool. I'd watch that movie so, twice just to support the box office numbers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so it's I don't know. Um, and I just read an article about Punisher and how they felt like Punisher was like the the very definition of toxic masculinity and and so, the, and they're trying to, you know, just push, make, make a push that, you know, there's no more Punisher comics because they feel like this, he's the symbol of toxic masculinity. And they, they, you know, and I've noticed that it seems like the line of for toxic masculinity shifts, you know, it used to be Harvey Weinstein. And now it's like, just, you know, saying you're, you're a man or whatever, you know, and, and, masculinity isn't about violence you know it's like like we talked about james bond you know there's nothing more masculine than sacrificing yourself for the ones you love you know but that i think that that gets discouraged to even talk about what what has helped me kind of refocus on some things has been since i moved here because i've been by myself a lot and when mm -hmm. you're alone a lot of the time you think about a lot of shit and you kind of disconnect mm -hmm. from other people. And what I have really appreciated was starting jujitsu because, you know, it's outside of anything work related. Mm -hmm. Every time I go to class or I go to an open mat night, I am with people who live remarkably different lives, who have in remarkably different backgrounds than I do. And I love it. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I'm not going to take a guess and guess like, oh, I think that person's liberal. Oh, I think that person might right. be gay. I don't think about that stuff. There's some of yeah. those masculine dudes regardless of that. And if I learned more things about them that might shock me in terms of what I would expect from them, it would not change my view of them mm -hmm. because what they are is they're people who are willing to be capable of extreme violence in order to maintain mm -hmm. peace. Mm -hmm. They, they are willing to hurt somebody and have somebody hurt themselves to know the extent of which they can go. And then you're hoping mm. that person will stop when you tap them. Yeah. And it's an environment where like courage, even if you lose a, even if you lose a match, if you go all the way, you're respected as much as if you won. Mm -hmm. Like that's almost respected more. So how you handle losing. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's like those, those virtues of being a, you know, and, and there are women who, who do it too. So I don't want to just say, I don't just want to say that, but it's like that is most tightly tied to manliness in a way, because that's how all our stories went. That's who all our heroes are. And as you remove those from the culture and as you change the culture to look in a different way, no one should be surprised that men change their behaviors and their outlook on themselves and others as a result of it. Mm. No, I agree. I agree. I I just um how, you know, how, I, old is, how old is your son, if you don't mind me asking? He's six. W would you let him in the Boy Scouts or anything like that these days? Um, I mean 
if you wanted to. I, to be honest, I never looked highly on the Boy Scouts. I always thought it was kind of boring. Um, you know, I went in as, when I was 10 and all we did was sing songs, do derby cars and try to sell popcorn, you know, yeah. so <laughs> it wasn't at all what I thought it would be. You know, if he if you wanted to try it, you know, I, I would I would let him try it. I've been trying to push him to go into jujitsu, to be honest. Dude, don't uh, even give him a choice. Just drag him there. If he doesn't yeah. like it after a few months, if he really doesn't like it, don't make him do it. But yeah. I bet dollars to donuts he will try it and he will fucking love it. That was my thought. Yeah. The, the yeah. kids. And I've seen this because the kids class starts right before the adults class. So I'll watch the kids. And honestly, like I watch them and not obviously not creepy fucking way, but those kids right, are right. doing shit that I'm not capable of doing. Yeah. Right. And it's because they've got youth and time on their side. Right. And if those yep. kids keep doing it up until their teens, they will be like world-class assassins. <laughs> No, and that's I'm dead serious. It scares the <laughs> shit out of me. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's what he needs confidence. You know, he, his cousin bullies him, you know, and I just, you know, I want him to to be able to stand up and do something on his own. And I figure, you know, jujitsu is the best way for him to do that. So I, I 100% support. I did martial arts as a kid because I got bullied. Did you? I, I did Taekwondo. My mom signed me up when I was five or six because a kid punched me in the sandbox and threw a, and threw sand in my eyes. And that sounds like a joke, but it actually no. scratched the cornea. So I was like a five-year-old with like an eye patch. Oh, and damn. I, I went to a, yeah, like it was, it, it was only like a, a week or so, but like, you know, my, I, I went to a private Christian school. So like, um, I didn't fight back. I just let the kid kind of just beat the shit out of me. But like, mm-hmm. you know, my, my mom was, you know, it, it, the school was weird about it because like they wanted to discipline him, but they were also like, okay, this is where we forgive. And my mom is like, I don't want forgiveness. I want my kid yeah, to fight right. back. And yeah. you know, my, yeah. my mom, I remember she stormed out of the principal's office. She's like, I'm signing my kid up for some type of self-defense class. And if this kid does it again, my kid has permission to beat him. Mm-hmm. So I did Taekwondo for probably five years. Uh, okay. I did it. I did it for a few years after that. Then I moved and didn't do it for a while. And then when I was a teenager, when I, so I lived in Australia for two years and, oh, then, cool. when I, and then when I moved back to the United States, uh, I got really bullied again. Like I was getting beat up in middle school. Like it was, it was bad. Mm-hmm. And my mom signed me up for, for Taekwondo again. So I, I restarted that. And uh, it, it just gave me, it, it gave me a lot of confidence. Now at that point, no one was fighting me, but it wasn't because right. they were like, oh, he's taking Taekwondo. If anything, they made fun right. of it. But, you know, I, I had a different swagger. I had more confidence. I realized that if anyone yeah. tried to start anything again, like even if they're bigger and faster than me and more violent than me, they're going mm-hmm. to gonna walk out of it in the worst in the worst case than they walked into it. Right. Absolutely. So, so like I, I did that. And, you know, it's it's like in the military, you know, I was trained, I was trained to kill. So. Mm-hmm. Why, why I wanted to do it again was primarily, you know, like I want to be healthier. I want to make some friends, but there's a confidence to knowing that if shit goes down. You can defend yourself that nothing absolutely. else short of even possessing a firearm can give you. Yeah, no, absolutely. It makes a difference. So, um, yeah. And that, that kind of confidence, I mean, I don't see any other way for a kid to get it, you know, if they don't have it already. So like how does, does your kid rough house with you? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Him and his sister will kind of, you know, play around with it. Like, you know, like last night they were, they were sword fighting, you know, and, and, uh, try and take each other out. But, you know, we'll wrestle around a little bit, but not a whole lot, you know, but he's one of the, you know, he'll see kids at the church that we go to, they'll wrestle around and he'll be like, man, those kids are, they're bad. (laughs) Why are they doing that? You know? And so, um, but, uh, you know. I think, I think there's a thing and I see this with a lot of kids that do the, so, so jujitsu as a whole, like depending on what school you go to, they call it different things. But I think at mm-hmm. our school, it's like all the Gracie Academy schools. It's like their, their anti-bully program. Mm-hmm. Like all the kids there have one thing in common. If I was a young kid and I was in class with them, I would point to them being the kids who were getting bullied. Mm-hmm. And these are not kids who are violent. These are not kids yeah. that, you know, have any like mean bone in their body, but they yeah. will choke you the fuck out. <laughs> they, 
they <laughs> they will triangle you or like flying knee kick you like Jorge Masvidal, and <laughs> it is horrifying to watch. It's cool, but it's yeah. fucking horrifying. Yeah, oh, I'm sure that's true. I, I mean, and I that, think I, I think I think every kid should do martial arts, whether they like it or not. A couple yeah. of years, they will they will benefit it long term. No, I agree absolutely. I, I think it makes a difference. And, and my kids, I mean, neither of them are aggressive. You know, like my, my son played soccer uh, last season. Fast kid on the field, but he wouldn't outrun other kids because he felt bad. He didn't want other kids to feel bad. And he wouldn't take the ball from them because he felt bad taking the ball from them. And so he just would run alongside them. And so. That, that's always been, I, like, I've, I've always held back if because I was always a bigger kid. I was always taller mm-hmm. than kids. I was always, like, you know, whether, whether I was fatter or not or whatever. Like, I was always the bigger person. So it's like, I know I have, I easily, I can hurt somebody by accident. And that's sometimes oh, why, yeah. why I, I lose matches when I'm rolling with people at jiu-jitsu. Because, like, I'll be on top of them. And this is one of the few opportunities where it's like being the bigger guy can't help you even though a lot of smaller right. guys can submit me and make me tap out. But, you know, like I will lean in using my body weight if I'm on top of somebody. And the moment I see them wince or I hear like a choke or something, like I will freak out mm. because I don't want to hurt these mm. people. They're my friends. They're my right. sparring partners. And then what they'll right. do is they'll beat the shit out of me. And then I'm like, I should have snapped your arm. But, <laughs> you know, like that, that is something like even as an adult, like I have to work past because I also have to trust that the other person knows their own limits. Right. Yeah. Right. And that they'll tap out if they need to. Yeah. It, it's a weird trust building I've had to do. Like I, I have, there, there are probably 50 or so adults I've recognized go between the classes and kind of cycle through, but I only, I only roll with about four or five of them. And what okay. I've noticed watching them is that everyone usually has like a small handful of people who they feel really comfortable with. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because one of the guys I, I roll with, he's 50, but oh, uh, wow. he's a former, he's a former army NCO and he's in phenomenal shape. And mm. I remember he would just be like, you know, watch out. I'm old. And then he would <laughs> go hundred percent or some nights he's like, okay, go hundred percent. And he's like, why'd you do that to me? But like on uh, on Monday when I went to class, like we, we, we had like a little death match, but it was because we had been on the mats so much together. Mm-hmm. We knew we could take pretty far. So at one point yeah. we're in like dual leg locks and we're trying to choke each other out using a cross collar grip. And at one point we're just staring at each other. And when I loosen his grip, <laughs> he moves his chin, loosens mine. I'm like, how's your day? And he's like, it's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it's just stuff like that. Like, you know, yeah, violence is often tied to it, but I'm like the most peaceful people I've ever met in my life were men who were capable of extreme violence. They made absolutely. a conscious decision just not to be right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, those are usually the, the best people, you know, it's the people that, you know, they, they have that, that they feel weak, you know, inside. They're the ones that usually perpetrate the, the greatest violence to be against others. So, um, yeah, being able to defend yourself, knowing that you can take care of yourself and your others and the ones you love, you know, that's, it, it gives a huge peace. It does. So yeah. I, uh, I used to do security, physical security. And so we, we would train with the sheriff's department. And so we, you know, we would do jujitsu and Krav Maga and, uh, the, the trainer was, you know, he was probably in his fifties, but he was kicking everybody's ass. I mean, there was just, it was unbelievable. <laughs> so that, that's why it surprises me when people look at martial arts and they're like, Oh, why, why would you want to do that? It, it's, it's why I defend like the UFC, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, that's just like human cockfighting, but it's like, no, like that's skill on a different level. Absolutely. Like, you, yeah. you can't fake it like that in baseball because there's no ties in baseball. And it doesn't matter if you go past nine right. innings, you're going to play till you have a winner. Like it's That's one of the few things where it's like you can't if you dope, people will find out. If you're mm-hmm. overweight, people will find out. If your cardio isn't up, people will find out. If you haven't been hitting a gym, people will find out. Like every mm-hmm. part of you is exposed. It's like combat sports are the most honest sports. And, yeah. and that's why I find like those athletes remarkably different than athletes in other sports who have yeah. really bad ego problems. Like forget Conor McGregor exists. 
Like, <laughs> right. like you know, I, I, I've heard more wisdom come out of Floyd Mayweather than any basketball player who ever lived. Oh, people absolutely. Are, people are like, oh, Kobe was like the philosopher basketball player. I'm like, Kobe's fucking nothing compared yeah. to half these people. Go talk to Manny Pacquiao. That man's about to become president of the Philippines. Right. Yeah. Like, like they're yeah. different. Yeah, it is. It's a different breed for sure. Um, you know, when you when you trade blood with somebody, you know, it's like, I don't know, you just, it, it just, it, you have to be different. You know, you have to, like you said, if you're an extremely dangerous person, the amount of, of restraint and, and willpower it takes to know that I'm not going to hurt somebody that I can hurt, no matter how much they're busting my chops or giving me shit. I mean, that's, that's that takes a lot of a person. Yeah. There, there was a dude I competed against. Uh, it was, it was for like a Texas state championship when I was doing Taekwondo the second time around. We were, we were both, uh, we were both, I think we were like green or blue belts. We, we were like mid-level in, in our, in our experience. And we were about 13, 14 years old. Jason Hendricks. I'll never remember him because the first time we competed against each other, he beat the shit out of me. I didn't even place. Oh, I, I got, I got like a legit like participation trophy. I, I, <laughs> I got, I got like a fourth place prize because I, I competed against like 60 people yeah. in the first tournament. So oh, I got wow. like the best competitor which was like a, a okay. participation trophy, but no one beneath me yeah. got the best competitor. And then the next time, and, and Hendricks got, got a first place, everything. Mm-hmm. And then the following season, we went to another tournament and I competed against probably 30 or so people, but he was still in my group. So I got, I got second place in sparring weapons and forms. Yeah. Dur- during like our last sparring match, we both went against five people to, to get to mm-hmm. each other. And, uh, he gave me my first concussion. Oh, damn. And we were wearing the pads and everything, you know, the safe Kwando gear. Yeah. Like, you know, he, he gave me a fucking concussion. Like I was laid out. Like I, I, I was able to get my gear off. And then when we were lining up to see who got what I got second place and everything, he got first place and everything. And I actually just like took a knee and I was backwards. And I remember them putting my medals on top of me while a paramedic was coming by. And I remember this dude, he actually went from his spot in the line to come over to me to wave his mom down to go get me a bottle of water because he felt so fucking terrible. And he's like patting me on the shoulder. He's like, it's okay, bud. It's all, it's going to be all right. I'm just looking at him. I'm like, am I going to die? I had never had a concussion before. I didn't know it was fucking right. Oh, uh, he, he became my fucking best friend after that. Did he? That's, we have, we that's haven't, we, have, we haven't f- spoken in like 15 years, huh. but, but it was one of those things where it's like, it was never personal. And you know, he, he said this afterwards, yeah. he's like, I was the person who went from being the participation level trophy to giving him a run for his money. Mm. And like, it was like, you know, it was, it was a weird camaraderie. Yeah. That's, that's awesome though. And and it's those aspects of masculinity that, you know, while, while the culture might be going in one direction, I think people have to go out of their way to find it in other areas. Because I think if you go actively pursuing like better role models, those characters that even seem larger than life in their own life, we, be- mm-hmm. we begin to see less that we need other heroes and more that we become our own. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I, I had a, a similar, there was a, a bully in the, my middle school. His name was Andre Rodriguez. And, uh, and he sounds like a dick. <laughs> he, he had a really bad reputation. Some kids said that he like tried to kill his dad with a chainsaw the or something. Fuck? And Yeah. So I'm sitting, it's eighth grade and it's like right before Christmas break. And, uh, and the math teacher's like, Hey, do you guys want to listen to the music? You know, it's right before break. And I was like, yeah, how about some Christmas music? He's like, no, we don't want to listen to Christmas music. We want to listen to some hip hop. Of course, this was like, you know, 1990, you know, so <laughs> there wasn't real hip hop. And I was like, no Christmas music. And, and he's like, he's like, listen, motherfucker. He's like, I'm going to kick your ass this weekend. Well, the girl I had a crush on was sitting right behind me and I wasn't going to back down. I was like, fine, let's do it. And so then he's like, no, no. He's like, Let, after school, after school. And I'm like, I look back, uh, she's still watching. I'm like, yeah, okay. And uh, then he's like, no, forget that. He's like, lunchtime, your, your ass is mine. And I look back, she's still paying attention. I'm like, fuck. All right, let's do it. You know, and, and he's like, 
or, no, you know what? After class, I'm like, okay. And he's like, you know what? You're not even worth my time. And wow. so then he like didn't, you know, nothing. And then, um, and then he just, I don't know. He started talking to me. We became good friends and, you know, I, <laughs> we started hanging out and then like, uh, I moved away and came back, moved back to Kansas city five years later, ran into him. I was like, you know, Hey Andre, how's it going, man? He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, man, I just got out of jail, you know, for dealing. And I was like, Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, it was crazy. Man. Courage is a universal language. Yeah, real, yeah, real respects real, even if you don't really mean it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> At least pretend. <laughs> uh, uh, dude, we've uh, we, we've got well past time, and I'm about to go lay in my shower and just die. If uh, yeah, no people want to check out Break the Bell and all the awesome shit that you do, how could they do so? Yeah, yeah, check us out. Uh, Break the Bell Pod at um, uh, it's on YouTube, Facebook. Um, uh, Craig's got us up on Twitter going, so um, check us out. We hit current events, a uh, little bit of politics, whatever's going on. So um, it's it's good shit. I, so. I, I tell people this all the time. I watch every live stream. I download the show. You guys rock, and I love seeing it every time. All right, brother. Take care. Hey, thanks. You too.